Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Dark, a podcast about the CW's Riverdale that once again is peeking its way out of the dark. I'm Alex. In a show drowning in darkness, we explore the deepest pits, and what is deeper than a man who hangs out with the dead? I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are very excited to bring you a special episode of Riverdale After Dark with none other Dr. Curdle Jr. himself, Nikolai Witchell. Nikolai, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure being here. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I'm excited to have you here. And I'll mention up front, not to destroy the illusion, you seem like a pretty nice, normal guy. <laughs> Chill, dude. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I had thought about having the, the Zoom backdrop of like a dungeon with like flaming <laughs> like torches in the background. This guy lives like, his part. Instead, you have like a lovely landscape painting mm-hmm. behind you. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, a painting that a friend of my partner's did. Well, the painting they found at like a thrift store, but then they painted Sasquatch in there. I don't know if you can oh, see. Oh, yeah, oh, nice. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's fun. So given that, uh, and this isn't a huge surprise, but given that you are a nice, normal dude, how did you end up getting the creepiest part on Riverdale? Going all the way back to season three, how did you end up as Dr. Colonel Jr.? That's okay. That's that's a really good question. Um, but can I get, if I may, can I get your impression of Dr. Curdle Jr. kind of first before we before we get into Ooh, it? Like, what, do, what do you guys know or and or like about this this creepy weirdo guy? Well, let me say he's one of the most talk. We talk about Dr. Curdle so yeah. much on this <laughs> podcast. Okay. Such a fun part of the show. We look forward to every time we see you. It's such a creepy but fun kind of uh, uh, role. It, it became just this thing that we love uh, talking about, one of our favorite parts of the show. Well, and I think the thing that's appealing to it from my end, first of all, I love seeing recurring characters on the show. Obviously, we have the main characters, but it fleshes out the world so much when you have these people popping up again and again. And Dr. Curdle 
I think in in my estimation, and I haven't gotten back and listened to our season three podcast, but there was all the speculation when he came in, like, is he the gargoyle king? What's going on? What's his agenda? Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it just seems like he is a guy who just enjoys dead bodies and death and is kind of <laughs> thrilled by it. And that's a funny running bit that uh, as it's gone on, we've had so many scenes where it's played against it in a very funny way where like Rivervale, I think is a great example of throwing him in as the town pediatrician is so funny. Fun. It, it makes me laugh out loud when I see it. And, um, mm-hmm. and the fan- fandom of um, Josie and the Pussycats, right? Mm-hmm. I was, was just about to mention. Such mm-hmm. a fun reveal in that moment. But let me say, just I, I give you a compliment. Like I feel like, the show the show moves very quickly and our scenes with Dr. Curdle really slow like you control the pace of the scene and it feels like all the characters you're in scenes with stop and look and listen to you in a way that they aren't because they always want information from you yes but they're like sort of wide-eyed looking at you because you are this uh, like hub I feel like for so much of the murder uh, based plots and I think for your performance, there feels like there's a rich inner and outer life to Dr. Curdle Jr. that we are only seeing a very tip of the iceberg. And so I'm curious to hear <laughs> how much of that you have uh, worked out in your head. Uh, also, the junior is a perfect punchline to the joke <laughs> of the name. I agree. And I think that'll lead nicely into like how I got the part because I, I, I came in in season three, right? Like there, there was another actor playing Dr. Curdle for the first couple of seasons. But like, here's the deal with this part is that I didn't audition for this part. Oh, this is great they, already. <laughs> you just showed up and started doing it and they couldn't <laughs> stop you. Checks yeah. out. <laughs> I wandered onto set and it was just like, oh, <laughs> this is a murder. And they were like, hey, this guy. <laughs> this guy gets it. He gets it. What I do know is that I got cast on uh, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, right? which which you guys have seen, but that oh, well, wasn't love the it. first time I was cast in that show. I was oh. cast in season one as like a, a teacher in, in class for, for Sabrina and, and Harvey. And for some reason, that scene got cut. I don't know if or because of the fact that uh, the actor playing the original Dr. Curdle, like my character's father, was just for some reason unable to come back for season three, but they still really wanted that like plot device. So they just unceremoniously killed him off and replaced him with me, just like shuffled me from one show (laughs) to the next. Well, I was just going to say that's so weird, just on a weird Easter egg thing, because I mean, you showed up later on Chilling Adventures of Sabrina as Howard, but also Mackenzie Gray, who played Dr. Curdle, later showed up as a teacher in Harvey and Sabrina's class. So That's right. Yeah, so there's a weird sort of a circuitousness a going on. What's there. your relationship with Dr. Curdle? <laughs> you guys are like mortal enemies, it seems like. I'm, I'm the young buck always stealing his parts. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, that's that's what I what I know is is what happened and i'm pretty sure they were just like oh this guy is like uh, pretty good as a teacher but he looks creepy as hell (laughs) (laughs) we gotta get him in a morgue you it's because my uh every every actor is certain like looks different hits and i'd say that my hits i play a lot of henchmen i play a lot of uh like nerds and a lot of like spooky characters and like two of my main hits are being like spooky nerds and coroners are like right in the middle of the (laughs) 
<laughs> I've so actually fun. played enough like coroners and morticians to fill in a, a, a demo reel if I wanted to of just coroner bits. That's it's amazing. amazing. I mean, the other part of it that I wanted to ask you about, and you're touching on this right here, but you have done it hasn't just been this, but you've done so many different shows in the WB slate. And it feels like there are these actors that constantly pop up in exactly what you're talking about, that it's the henchman role or the one-off role or something like that. Um, how how did you end up in that? Like, how did you end up being one of the go-to guys for those sort of roles there? I think it's just about being a professional actor who comes into auditions and, you know, brings things. I, I've been told that I'm kind of like the wild card when I come into auditions because not everyone would play Dr. Curdle the way that I play him, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, even because I, I didn't audition for that part, I think it was really empowering for me to be able to come in and be like, whatever I do, they're going to film it. And that's what's going to be on television. <laughs> it kind of frees me up a little bit to like, have some fun with it. How much did you work on the voice then? Because I feel like the voice is such a so much part of the part. <laughs> Obviously, it's your voice, but it's a little more direct, a little Vincent Pricier. So how much playing around was it, or was it fully formed from that first day on set? I think my voice has even evolved throughout it, because uh, I recognized in my first scene that like my father had just died, and I have to step into the family business. And and like he's maybe not the most confident coroner off the top, but I've I've really leaned into it a lot more. The more ridiculous things I've had to deal with, <laughs> there's ever increasing grotesque deaths and dismemberments. Does it feel like it's starting to be a little bit of a challenge in a way? Because it feels like that from a viewer's perspective, where it's the writers just trying to heighten and heighten the gothic language that you're saying to. I think it was the last season. Yeah, it was uh, when Betty was investigating the murders on the lonely highway, there were just these two shots of you calling in that are filmed very close to your face, where it's just you call her and there's no like, hey, Betty, how are you doing? It's just the bodies were horribly mutilated. (laughs) (laughs) So what's it like when you get something like that in the script? Do they tell you, hey, just come in really quickly for this one day to film these things? Or how does that get set up at this point? Yeah, it is normally, I'm able to, to do it in one day. It's normally just one scene in the morgue. Uh, originally, the morgue was in an often used Vancouver filming location called Riverview, not Riverdale or Rivervale. 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 Yeah. Rivervale. Rivervale. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, maybe if <laughs> it's at least as haunted as Rivervale. <laughs> wow. But then after uh, I think about the first season, they were like, OK, we're bringing this guy back often enough. Let's build a little morgue on our soundstage and come back there every couple of episodes. Oh, that must have been so gratifying to be like, you're building the morgue? Oh, <laughs> I'm here. I'm in. Absolutely. And I always have fun when I'm on set, uh, like to see what the set dressers kind of like come up with. They always give me uh, a lunch that I can't actually eat. <laughs> but it's like the background. And uh, oh, I think my favorite one that they ever put out for me was like uncracked walnuts and milk and a turkey sandwich or something like that. Oh, I love just munching, really working my way through a bag of walnuts, <laughs> full of shells. Uh, let me ask you, uh, I mean, obviously the, the writers uh, give you all the material um, uh, that you need, but uh, I imagine you have created more for Dr. Curdle Jr. Can you talk to us about maybe some of the things you've added to the character um, in your own mind or uh, brought to the role? It's, it's all about what will come across to the, the audience because there can be specific things that I come up with about my, my past and my backstory 
that is like interesting to have that like can help to build empathy and connection with the audience to like make this a more a more full character. And I think Dr. Kirtle like truly is about as about as kind as a person can get in Riverdale because he's like he's really just so reliably bribable. Yeah. Well, what about his relationships with the other characters? Obviously, he spends most of his time talking to Betty or Jughead because they're the main investigators on the show. Uh, Continuing on this. Yes, thank you, Pete. Oh, right. That's what that means. (laughs) I just got that. Oh, yeah. The B from Betty and the Ughead from Jughead. (laughs) French glass. What, uh, continuing on this, like, what you think about the inner life of Dr. Kirtle, how does he feel about Betty? How does he feel about Jughead? I think he considers them both, like, definitely at this point friends. Like, uh, when when I read the bit in the last episode where he doesn't get invited to Betty's wedding, it was like, so <laughs> really, so like, that's that's where they get you. They, they really got to the center of like, oh, that's <laughs> feeling funny. bad about about his real, but that's an alternate universe. So yeah, right. I mean, do you feel like not to push it too much, and I don't want to cause any consternation with the shippers? Do you feel like he has romantic intentions towards Betty, or is it just this transactional relationship where he's bribed to give information on bodies? I don't think it's a romantic relationship. I don't think what Bertle uh, <laughs> would, would really said it. You fly. said it. Nice, <laughs> nice pushing Bertle. I really see Doctor Curdle as like. He wants to be on the inner circle and he's never really going to get there, but he can, he can help as, as much as possible. And like, he really wants Betty and Jughead's respect. Mm -hmm. Mm. And that's, I think a motivating factor for him that I do bring into many of the scenes that I play. To me, like this character, it kind of reminds me of the Adams family where it's like we get to see (laughs) these people being creepy, but they're also lovable in a way that like, you look forward to what's going to happen. Like, as soon as I hear, you know, like them mention your name, I know like, Oh, we're going to get to see them. I do love the, the softer, likable side to this character. There is something like eager and fun about this character. Well, one of the things that I did when I was creating him, I thought about a whole bunch of different things and I had the benefit of coming in in season three Mm -hmm. so that I'd had a couple of seasons to like, understand the tone of the show and what they were going with. Did you have problems? Because the show's insane. Like there's so (laughs) much stuff. Yes. (laughs) But, but that's part of why I made the character the way that I did. And I made him kind of like as a coroner, as intentionally suspicious as possible so that he Mm. would be above suspicion. That's (laughs) it's, it's working. That's great. Like the show is about, everyone has a secret. Everyone has a deep, dark secret that they're trying to hide while they live their normal lives. And here's this, this intentional weirdo who's actually <laughs> the like diametric opposite of that, who's like very creepy, but also super earnest and, yeah. and know, gentle. May, may have his own Adams family, who's to say. <laughs> uh, now that's a backstory we need. Yeah, uh, exactly. The Curdle family. Given that you were or are in the morgue so much, when you did get to do that scene in the Josie and the Pussycats episode where everybody was together, just on a personal level, what was that like actually getting to interact with the whole cast at the same time? Yeah, that was really affirming. Uh, I was also next to Weatherby, of course, who <laughs> I super respect as well. 
And that was particularly cool because it was still during COVID and it was very late into a Friday and early on to a Saturday where I was in a bar listening to a band and it felt great. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's I was awesome. like, I haven't done this for two years. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's man, wild nice. that that's the just doing the scene was enough. <laughs> just being a person in the scene was enough to make yeah, it amazing. And being allowed to be a fan. I really felt like they left Dr. Curdle kind of off the chain there a little bit. What a stunning, like <laughs> hilarious moment in that episode. Um, and I'm curious to see how much further the fandom goes. Did you get to keep the Josie shirt? No, I didn't. Uh, but that's too bad. if I ever find one in the real world, I have to pick it up. Absolutely. This is one of the other things that I really liked about that scene was just imagining that Dr. Curdle and Weatherby hang out all the time. Is that anything you talked about? Do you feel like they're friends outside of the coroners or was that just they were at the same table at the same time? I feel like because they were both wearing the same shirt and like they're both not maybe not the traditional like Josie fans that they do see each other at shows and are just like, oh, hey, let's never talk about this in town. <laughs> no, 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 we can't. But like, oh, my God, her new single. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Fire. It's fire. 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 Getting back to the morgue set for a second, you since you do spend so much time on there and as viewers, we only get. 30 seconds, a minute tops in most episodes to see it. What are some details that people might not notice on screen that are in the morgue set from spending so much time there? I absolutely have to give credit to the the props and set deck people. Because like every time I have a file, it's it's always related to the case that is happening. Oh, really? <laughs> if it's like, yeah, if it's like about Clifford Blossom being poisoned and hanged, They'll like have the notes of being like strangulation points around the neck. Also a bunch of tetrodotoxin in, in bloodstream up to like 96% effectiveness, whatever, which is really great. There's a big fan in the corner that they always have kind of like doing a slow loop through mist that they're able to shine a light through for, for a little bit of ambient effect. And there's there's a scale that also normally has a human heart on it. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice the scale. I'm going to have to look look out for that. It's creepy. I mean, we've talked to uh, some people who work on the show in sort of all different departments, and it feels like everyone ha- puts that level of detail and just like labor of love into, into Riverdale. Um, so that's always exciting to hear. Yeah, it takes so many people to make anything work, and all of those people need to like be doing their job and it has to work for all of it to click together into film and TV. I'm surprised things get made at all. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, speaking of another TV show, just to kick it over, you're on yellow jackets recently, Mm. or at least it aired recently. I don't know necessarily when you filmed it, but one of the things that was very fun about that episode for me in particular as a Riverdale fan was I saw you in the scene where you're being kind of beaten up a little bit. Sarah Desjardins, who played Donna Sweet was also in this episode and Bram Mm -hmm. Taylor, who was on both Chilling Adventures and Riverdale was in the episode as well. I assume that's part of the nature of just being an actor in Vancouver. But what is what is the scene like there for all of you? I mean, most of the like large role casting, all the leads and stuff gets cast out of L.A. normally. The situation has changed a little bit over COVID. You used to be able to see people in audition rooms a little bit more frequently. uh, And now everything's done with self-tapes. The casting directors are able to see a lot more people, generally speaking, for roles. But it's 
Yeah, I, I see people for similar roles and like people that I've uh, seen on set for other things, cast and crew members. I was just on set for Motherland Fort Salem mm -hmm. this past mm -hmm. week. I knew, I think, three or four different people on set just from being in different projects. And I was able to be like, oh, hey, hello. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in my classic Dr. Curdle voice, hey, this guy died. <laughs> <laughs> just sneak that in for one scene. See uh, yeah, happens. give us a little for, yeah. yeah. I'll be like, well, we can't change it. We got to go forward. Uh, one thing I want to get back to is the show is uh, insane, but in such a great way. Have there been moments where you're like reading the script that maybe you've you know, kind of ahead of us a little bit, uh, or we're like, oh, I can't wait to see this on screen. Are there some fame, like your favorite kind of like moments in the show that they really nailed, you thought, from reading it and then seeing it? Yeah. Apart from wanting to watch my own stuff and seeing like what, what all makes it in. Weirdly, like some of my favorite curdle bits don't make it in. They usually cut one thing in a scene that's like, it's too funny. It's uh, too funny. We what's can't a bit that didn't make it? <laughs> Um, but my give us favorite a bit? thing, uh, I'll see if I can remember one, but my okay. favorite thing that I was looking forward to right. was just in episode 100 is the two Reggies. Mm -hmm. when, I, yeah. when I read that in the script, just being like, oh, that's so fun. Yeah. That's such <laughs> a good nailed joke. That. It was such a great thing. Yeah, such both origi yeah, the original Reggie and the new Reggie. That was so funny. What was it? I mean, speaking about the Rivervale thing, we mentioned this earlier, but what was it like getting a different costume and getting to play a slightly different Dr. Colonel Jr.? That was really cool. I was really excited to be able to like in a similar vein to talking about Josie and the Pussycats, like stepping out of my morgue in that respect, stepping into a different doctor's office. It was interesting because I, I was still talking, especially with like Betty and, and her kid and baby Anthony and, and that. I was talking less about death and I was talking more about things not living, which is still similar to death, but it's like the <laughs> other side of it. So I think they understood what was happening in that regard when they were writing it. Given that you are mostly with Betty and Jughead, are there any other the other of the characters on the show that you wish you were able to interact with more? I think probably Cheryl Blossom. I think oh, like yeah. Dr. Curdle's weirdness and Cheryl Blossom's weirdness, plus like Nana Rose, would be wow. like yeah, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Like, wow. imagine what that would that be. That just blew my mind because, like, of course, she's going to be in the walls listening to you guys. You know, maybe like Penelope, pops out. Yeah. Penelope, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nana's not well, in the I walls. Mean, Nana's oh, in the right, wheelchair. Right. Penelope's Penelope, in the walls. Yeah, it's been a while bad. since we've watched episodes. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nana Rose is getting pretty old, so she may have a trip to the morgue coming up. Uh, oh, come on, dude. I hope not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's got to stick around forever. I love Nana. Yeah. But I do think the, the Cheryl energy and the Dr. Curdle Jr. energy would either cancel each other out perfectly or it would just, like, blow up the whole uh, situation. <laughs> be magic That's true, to see. yeah. Yeah, it could be like two equal wavelengths. This is obviously a big part of the show for the fan base. And I don't know how you all talk about it on set, but all of the shipping that goes on with all of the couples, obviously Dr. Curdle, like we were joking about a little earlier, is very removed from that sort of thing. But is there a couple that you ship on the show? And how, generally speaking, is it kind of talked about on set? I mean, apart from Curdleby. Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's got to happen. And just, just dreams at this point. But I personally really like Shoni. Yeah. Tony. Shoni's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I think they're a good complement to each other in really interesting ways. 
Well, maybe per our earlier discussion, you could have Dr. Kirtle come in and give some sort of medical diagnosis about you're both going to die if you don't get back together. <laughs> <laughs> what sort of doctors do you go to, Alex? Very bad ones. Yeah, very bad ones. It's called breakupitis, and it is <laughs> fatal. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Oh, my God. I, one more thing I wanted to a- ask you over here that I jotted down. I, I threw this by Justin earlier, and he thought this was a really good thing to ask. Dr. Wordle Jr., is that anything? Um, I mean, it could be. Okay. I, <laughs> Is I mean, a collaboration here? Is this a meme? yeah, yeah. Yeah, yes. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. You you could do. You'd need to figure out how to find as many creepy five letter words as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like grung. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's a hard one. Yeah, that's a hard one because I don't know how much of a word that is. Yes. <laughs> People would be like, "What? But yeah. grung is the answer again? It was grung yesterday." Now, uh, before we let you go, though, I know you can't really talk about upcoming episodes, so I'll just ask a very vague question. Will we be seeing more Dr. Kirtle Jr.? Uh, Yeah, I think Dr. Kirtle Jr. is like, at this point, pretty solid uh, member of the community in Riverdale slash Vale. Well, Dale from now on. And yeah, it. what, are they going to stop having murders? Is that... <laughs> 100%. The cast of Friends went to Central Perk. Cast of Riverdale goes to the morgue. Yeah, yeah Dr. exactly. Dr. It's their hangout spot. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got to say, I love everything that you're bringing to this character, and thank you so much. It's really just such a great part of the show, and I'm so glad that you're doing it. Oh, my absolute pleasure. I uh, very obviously have a lot of fun with this. Looking forward to the Curdle family. Yes, Nikolai, thank (laughs) you so much for coming on. It was a pleasure. We're big fans. We can't wait to see what uh, weird, creepy lines you come out with next. Oh, can't wait. Thanks so much for having me. And if you'd like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Riverdale. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Riverdale Dark on Twitter, Riverdale After on Instagram, Riverdale After Dark on Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you after dark. Oh, so Barchi is Betty and Archie then. <laughs> nice. <laughs> hey, don't you want to bring up the cat briefcase? Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line. 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.